Welcome to the official podcast for the Society of Urodynamics, Female Pelvic Medicine, and Urogenital Reconstruction. Here you will find podcasts highlighting clinically relevant topics, ongoing SUFU initiatives, SUFU member highlights, and much, much more. Good morning, and thank you to the organizers of this year's uh, SUFU winter meeting and to my esteemed panelists for including me in this session. I have no disclosures other than to say that this is my 500th take. The objective of this talk is to review the evidence behind these purported UTI prophylaxis measures. We will look at water intake, methanamine salts, D-mannose, and lactobacillus. Why do we care? UTI recurrence is common, I think we all know that. Uh, it is likely that UTI recurrence is underestimated as UTI is often unreported. And it's really this subset of patients with frequent recurrences that we are concerned about. Antibiotic resistance is now considered a major threat to public health. There are many who feel we're fast approaching a post-antibiotic era. And as it relates to urinary tract infection, we are definitely seeing decreased susceptibility rates. There is a discovery void with no new antimicrobials on the horizon, and our patients are becoming increasingly aware of this particular issue and are demanding alternatives to antibiotics. Water is an intervention that we recommend to many different urologic populations, but how does it relate specifically to our recurrent UTI patients? Houghton et al. in 2018 published this randomized control trial. 140 premenopausal women with recurrent UTIs in water intake less than 1.5 liters per day were randomized to no additional fluids, the control arm, and the intervention arm was additional 1.5 liters of water per day. The primary outcome of this study was frequency of UTI recurrence, where UTI was defined as symptoms and a positive urine culture. Increased water intake does appear to uh, improve UTI uh, recurrence risk. In this particular study, there was a 48% reduction in the water intervention arm. So for the first time, we can say that this is a fact and we should be recommending this to our patient population, particularly those with inadequate water intake. This hat-like structure is in fact methanamine. Methanamine salts have been used for many years in the prevention of urinary tract infection. In urine, methanamine is hydrolyzed to ammonia and formaldehyde, and it's the formaldehyde that is thought to be bacteriostatic. Hydrolysis is increased in acidic urine and is why we combine methanamine with mandelic and hippuric acid and why most providers recommend concurrent uh, vitamin C. Methanamine salts are attractive in that they have broad spectrum antimicrobial activity, they lack resistance, and their side effect profile is quite limited. There have been no new methanamine studies since 2007. This Cochrane database systematic review of methanamine hippurate was updated in 2012 and included 13 studies total, only six of which included symptomatic UTI. Unfortunately, there was significant heterogeneity between studies, and the study period for the majority of these six studies was less than a week. 
the authors of this review did conduct a subgroup analysis of those patients with and without urinary tract abnormalities. In their conclusions, adverse event uh, uh, profile appeared to be low. Methanamine hip urate appears to be effective in the short term, but only for those without urinary tract abnormalities. Methanamine hip urate based on available evidence was ineffective when used for durations longer than one week. So in conclusion, methanamine salts are at this time not effective in long-term UTI prevention. That being said, there is a multi-center randomized trial uh, addressing this issue. Uh, according to registry uh, data, the enrollment has been complete. Uh, we eagerly await the results of this trial, which will hopefully shed some more light on this particular topic. D-mannose is a, an inert uh, monosaccharide, which is rapidly metabolized and excreted into the urine. We know that uropathogens interact with urothelial cells via FIMH binding to these heavily minosylated uroplacan receptors on the luminal surface of urothelium. In rodents and in human urothelial cell line studies, D-mannose does appear to have a dose-dependent inhibitory effect on FIMH urothelial uh, binding and adhesion. Clinical studies are much more inconsistent. Um, of the studies out there, the majority are small, uh, report solely on UTI symptoms and have very inconsistent UTI uh, definitions. There was one large randomized control trial in which women uh, with recurrent UTIs were randomized to mannose, nitrofurantoin, or placebo. And what we can see here is that D-mannose and nitrofurantoin had a comparable decrease in UTI uh, risk compared to placebo. D-mannose group had a longer time to recurrence and not unexpectedly had a lower uh, side effect profile compared to nitrofurantoin. At this time, we can say that uh, with the one uh, randomized control trial, there does appear to be uh, a preventative effect that's similar to nitrofurantoin with much less complication. We do need larger multicenter randomized controlled trials that can help to clarify this, uh, particularly in terms of dosing and uh, duration of treatment. Probiotics are living microorganisms that confer health benefits to their host when consumed or administered in adequate quantities. In the vaginal microbiota, lactobacillus is the dominant genus of bacteria. Colonization of lactobacillus is inversely correlated with E. coli colonization in women with recurrent UTI. We also know that lactobacillus is the predominant species in the urinary tract. However, we do not uh, understand well the differences in urinary microbiomes of uh, healthy patients compared to our recurrent UTI patients. In vitro, lactobacillus uh, appears to confer uh, uh, direct antimicrobial effects via the elucidation of lactic acid, hydrogen peroxide, and antimicrobial peptides. There does also uh, appear to be a protective effect via competitive inhibition. And lactobacillus do seem to modulate virulence factors uh, such as biofilm formation. 
there are very few uh, clinical studies looking at oral lactobacillus in our recurrent UTI population. In this particular study, women with a recurrent UTI were randomized to uh, Bactrim antibiotic uh, prophylaxis uh, or lactobacillus. At 12 months, we can see that the mean change in the number of symptomatic infections was comparable. However, it did not meet the predefined criteria for non-inferiority, which was 10%. What is interesting and maybe not unexpected is that there was a significant increase in resistance in the Bactrim group, whereas there was no resistance in the lactobacillus arm. Vaginal lactobacillus in recurrent UTI patients was the subject of a Cochrane review in 2015, and the conclusion of this review was that there is no significant benefit over placebo. However, again, there is significant heterogeneity between trials. The studies included were small, and the methodologic reporting was considered poor. The largest study uh, within this review was a randomized control trial, uh, which randomized premenopausal women to lactobacillus cruspidus uh, intravaginally uh, versus placebo. The probiotic arm uh, did appear to have a significant reduction in recurrent UTI, and the adverse effects uh, were equivalent between groups. So lactobacillus, factor fiction, it's complicated. As we've seen, there is significant heterogeneity between the studies with inconsistent results. This is a promising therapy. It does appear to be safe and has, uh, it is potentially effective. We do need larger trials, uh, particularly trials that look at well-characterized lactobacillus strains. And uh, in these trials, we need consistent evaluation of colonization, uh, both within the vagina and the lower urinary tract, and uh, consistent reporting of clinical outcomes. In conclusion, water does appear to uh, prevent urinary tract infection, at least in those women that aren't drinking enough water. Uh, D-mannose uh, appears to be effective as well, but we need further study. Methanamine salts do not appear, at least for now, to prevent uh, urinary tract infection in the long term. And lactobacillus, again, need further study, but this is a promising area, uh, and there does not appear to be any safety concerns. Thank you for your time, and I'm happy to take any questions. All right, well, thank you both uh, Dr. Rosenblum and Dr. Hickling for your really excellent talks. Um, in the remaining time that we have left, you know, what came across in both of your talks is that there really is a paucity of good data supporting the use of any of these treatments. And what I'd love to hear is which of any of these treatments do you each use in your own practices? And maybe Dr. Rosenblum, let's start with you. Sure, thank you. So um, we have had the laser in our practice for several years. Um, there are many, many places in New York City that offer laser, not only FPMRS, but dermatology practices, plastic surgery practices. And I think I've always been very cautious about counseling patients in terms of what the expected effects would be. It is an out-of-pocket expense for most patients. Um, it can be quite costly depending on the practice you go to. So I think we, you know, we um, we owe it to patients to be realistic and ethical about the expected outcomes. And I've really used it primarily uh, in the GYN cancer population who either um, really doesn't feel comfortable using vaginal estrogen or their um, oncologists are not comfortable with using it despite the data that we have that it is safe. 
Um, and those patients can really benefit from the treatment, particularly the younger women who are sexually active and really bothered by painful intercourse. And that's really where I've used it primarily in our practice. Great, great. And Dr. Hickling, in our remaining 30 seconds, maybe you could just tell us really quickly. So um, I support my patients in any way that I can, um, but will spend time to review behavioral uh, modifications, including um, improving water intake, and have a, a discussion around the evidence supporting some of these alternative uh, therapies and help, help my patients to make uh, decisions around the use of these different agents. So I'm try to be as open as possible. All right, well, wonderful. Thank you both again for your really wonderful presentations. And um, I'm sure they'll both continue to answer questions um, as they come in on this topic. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Sufu Podcast. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast streaming app, we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter with our handle at SuFuOrg, where we'll provide real-time updates of our next podcast episode launch. And be sure to check us out on our website, www.sufuorg.com.